Welcome to a single serving podcast. This is where we change the discussion around being single into one that doesn't suck. I'm your host, Shaney Silver. I'm a writer and freelancer based in Brooklyn, and I've been single for 11 years. Whenever I see content for single women online, it's about dating, how to date, where to date, how to date better, how to survive dating. And I think we deserve more than that. So on this podcast, it's my goal to expand what we talk about when we talk about being single and acknowledge the realities of it that non-single people don't get to see. I'll be joined every week by guests and we'll talk about the positives, the negatives, and all the parts in between, and hopefully laugh about them too. Thank you so much for joining me. My guest today is Bobby Box, and if you know of someone with a cooler name, you just let me know. He is a sex and relationships writer for Playboy. He is a bisexual man, and there are lots and lots of reasons why I want to speak with him. Bobby and I connected on Twitter, which is basically how I find all of my guests. The main requirement for being a guest on this podcast is that you amuse me online. Um, Bobby's hilarious. He's an amazing voice on Twitter. I highly recommend that you follow him. Um, And he's cool as shit. So I'm really excited to share this conversation with you. As always, thank you to everyone who has left a rating and a review. If you haven't done that yet, if you could take a second and do it, it means a lot to creators of podcasts, and I appreciate it. If you're not yet in the Facebook group, I also encourage you to join in. It's called A Single Serving Podcast, so it's easy to find. You can also follow me and the podcast on Instagram, either Shaney Silver or A Single Serving Podcast on Instagram. I promise it's more than my cat. I'm going to go ahead and get started. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Bobby Box, you have the best name I've ever heard in my entire life. Just want to just want to tell you that. Oh, thank you so much. I mean, my parents had a good sense of humor. So we connected because you entertained the shit out of me on Twitter. Um, and I can't thank you enough for agreeing to be a guest on this podcast. Welcome. Oh, thank you so much. I mean, I, I do invest way too much time into Twitter, so I really appreciate that. <laughs> Um, it's how I connect with so many of my guests. I love, we were just talking about this, but I love Twitter for the people that it's introduced me to, the friends that it's introduced me to, and just like the voices across literally the internet that I wouldn't be able to connect with otherwise. I think it's incredible. Um, for the people who are not following your every tweet, can you let them know a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do for a living, where you live, that kind of stuff? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my name is actually, people get confused that it's Bobby Boxington, but it's actually Bobby Box, which is okay. like you said, wonderful, right? But um, it's because Bobby Box was already taken. So I got a little, you know, there's some competition there. So I just went to Bobby Boxington because it made me sound regal and wealthy. Um, <laughs> so I just want to confirm that my name is 100% real. It is not a pseudonym for my writing personality or anything. Um I live in Toronto, Ontario, in Canada, and I am a sex and relationships writer, editor, and columnist. Nice. Who do you write for? So I write for Playboy, New Now Next, The Advocate, and a whole bunch of websites that are no longer around because such is the industry. Yeah, I used to write for ExoJane and I miss it all the time. I love ExoJane. So good. It was such a great space and I miss it every day. It really was. It was actually one of my first editors was one of the editor, one of the founding editors there. And she was just wonderful. Oh my gosh. I miss them. Shout yeah. out to Exo Jane, if anyone's listening. So tell everybody a little bit about your, like, I usually take everybody's temperature on being single, where you are with it mentally. If you're like super injured, if you're having a great time, if dating is the worst thing ever, that kind of shit. Oh yeah. Um, well, 
I, I'm kind of the opposite. I absolutely love being single. Um, I always have. I mean, ever, even since, I mean, I came out of the closet as bisexual when I was 27 and I'm 30 now. So I'm really just like straight, closeted, whatever. I always enjoyed being single. And um, I've only been to date in three relationships that could be even considered remotely serious. So um, the, and we have bit, one in common, you and me. Right. Is that is that true? Yeah, I think that's I would I would say max three. Realistically, maybe like two for real. But yeah, like I think between two and three relationships that I would consider like have had a really big like presence and impact on my life such that my parents knew about them, that kind of thing. Right, yeah. And that's kind of how I've quantified it as well. Like, if my parents have met the person, I guess that makes it a more serious relationship. So like that's totally what I use as my measure as well. Do you feel like we're gonna still think that no matter how old we get? I do. I don't think it'll ever change with like our generation. It's just kind of like, are you important enough to meet the folks? In the being super comfortable with being single and and enjoying it within that, how do you find dating? Like, is it super fun for you? Is it like completely a grind, no pun intended? Or like what, you know, what do you like about it or hate about it? Oh, okay. Well, um, I will admit that before I came out and when I was back in Hamilton, my hometown, I hated it. Couldn't stand dating. Couldn't be bothered. I was the guy on the apps who would talk all the time and never really commit to anything, which I know is the worst. Oh, you're the one. Okay. But now that I've moved and I've been in Toronto since about January, um, I absolutely love it. I would admit that I intentionally stay single so that I continue to date. (laughs) <laughs> and um i'm still not sure if that's a bad thing or what it says about my character but i don't approach dating to find love if that makes any sense i hear you yeah so i like enjoy i really enjoy getting to know people and whether this meeting of the minds is going to result in a second date a lasting friendship or they ghost me which i mean is so common these days i mean that's fine by me i just elect this approach because i rarely regret going on a date i mean who is ghosting you after that last shirtless twitter pic like I mean, doing I know. Doing that I, <laughs> I know. That's upsetting. Like, let's not let's not do that. I um, know. That's the way. Were... The occasional thirst trap it has to happen, right? <laughs> As a single, you've just got to do that on occasion for your own mental health. I've never posted a thirst trap in my life. Like, I feel like for me, a thirst trap is just like a good bang stay. Like, that's oh, basically like the max that I'm willing to do. It's so good. Um, <laughs> You are the second guy that I have ever had on the podcast, and um, my like sample set is two men. But <laughs> gauging that, um, you both kind of approach dating the same way in that it's it's first of all enjoyable, and second of all, it's not a means to an end. And I see a lot of women approaching it in a different way. I think a lot of us. Um, maybe you've heard dating kind of sucks for single women, and. Mm-hmm. For a lot of us, like we only enter into that space with purpose because to do it, you know, just for shits and giggles can be pretty punishing. So I find it like really interesting that you're the second guy that I've interviewed on this podcast and you have kind of a similar um, approach to dating as Jake. I, I really want to know more about like what it is about dating that guys like because I want to steal whatever it is that you like about dating and keep it for myself. Well, I mean, as a bisexual man, I found that dating men and dating women can be very different. Mm -hmm. Um, So I found that I'm generally more comfortable dating men because 
there's kind of a level ground there and I find there's a lot less pressure involved. Like really? Um, yeah. Like I, I just, it's, it's a lot more like, I think it might be that gay culture is a little more casual in approach that like, you don't know what a relationship is going to be. And people are a lot more open to whatever it might become. So say yeah. it's going to be a sexual, you know, it, it just a little sex, like second date, sex night, you know, whatever that happens to be. But with yeah women at least there's like a societal pressure that like you know there's like a gender norm that they have to kind of not be a sexual or like kind of be a little demure in their approach and everything like that it's so, so annoying yeah and like honestly that's my my biggest like the biggest thing I notice that's different between the two because it's not inherently normal for it's just it's societally inflicted do you know what I mean like it's oh, like of very course. it's like societally and biologically inflicted a little bit as well right. like we're on more of a timeline than guys are we take our shit a lot more seriously um I don't even want kids I have no biology like getting me out there in the world and dating but I still tend to take it I think a little more seriously than my gay friends who are dating um not my lesbian friends but my gay guy friends I'm not as familiar with lesbian dating culture because right. most of my friends are gay guys, but <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I'm the exact same way. I mean, even when I when I do date women, I make it very clear that I don't want children either. Yeah, and I was I was almost engaged three years ago to a woman, and we both decided that um, we didn't want children, and it just things didn't work out as the wedding approached. But um, it's always kind of been in my mind that like I didn't want to have kids, and you know the whole conversation that comes with that. Like you talk to your parents, and once I've come out my mom was like, well, is that even an option to have kids nowadays? And I was like, mom, I was never going to have kids. So it doesn't really matter. And adoption's right. also there, you know? Oh, like, yeah. There's adoption, there's surrogacy, there's foster care. There's a million ways for, for people to have kids if they want to do it. Thank goodness. But yeah, I, I get that. I, I've never talked to anybody who, certainly not on this podcast, but I don't even know like in my personal life, how many conversations I've had with bisexual people to get the perspective from someone who dates both genders. Mm-hmm. And I, I know that we're not supposed to give as much of a shit about gender these days, but this is a very gendered podcast. It's just kind of the way that shit's worked out. So yeah. it's really it's really interesting to me to hear um, your perspective in general because you have such a, a dating spectrum that I get to like pick your brain about. This is this is fascinating for me. Um, what do you think? Like in dating single women, what do you wish they did more of or less of? Hmm. Okay. I feel like this is a touchy subject, but I'm going to do my best. Okay. Oh, we so, like touchy subjects. We like the, the like intimate shit. Let's have it. Okay. Well, it's kind of has to do with the whole, um, I guess what I was saying earlier, like the whole gender norms that like women have to kind of approach, they feel they have to approach dating and sex in a certain like guided kind of way. Like they have to treasure their, their sexuality in like a certain way that men are kind of encouraged to exploit in a way like it's men are encouraged to you know you're like pumped up to oh go have sex great good for you women it's like no you save that and you're shamed if you do so like I personally have found that I mean the women I've dated are the ones who have made have kind of been the more sex positive and um aren't afraid to make the first move which I live with a straight roommate and I know he would absolutely love that. 
So I don't know why it's still, I know it's definitely gender norms are being a little bit. Um, oh, it's so societal. It's been baked into us since we were kids. Like sex is something that you withhold and you only give it to somebody when they've like earned it or when they've like made some kind of a commitment to you or anything like that. It's, it's embarrassing. I hate that I've lived my life that way. I hate that it's such a pervasive norm. It's to the point where now if I, have sex with a guy like on the first date, on the second date, on the third date, anytime early in a relationship, that means I'm not interested in him at all. Like the guys that I'm not sleeping with are the ones that I'm actually into and want to see again, because there's like this mental loop that's running in my head. If you fuck him, you'll never hear from him again. Like that's kind of the way that we're operating. Yeah. So do you admit like yourself that you do that intentionally in a way, because that is kind of the way uh, that's the lay of the land right now. Like that's the landscape. Yes, it is. I hate it, but it 100% is. Granted, I haven't been on a date since like Obama was in office, but like when I start dating again, um, I do, I'm, I'm a lot more conscious of it, even in just creating this podcast and communicating with a larger single woman community that I don't want to approach my dating life with as many like rules or expectations or guidelines. I just want to let shit roll. Like that's how I would prefer to do things moving forward. Yeah. And I think that that's like, I think that, I mean, as the generations continue, as I've seen, and like, even in research that's been coming out, it's, there are like Gen Z right now. I I have always said to like everybody that I know that uh, I feel like the generation of like, I'm 30 right now and my friends are all having kids. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking that by the time their children are grown up, that's these, I'm hoping, I mean, praying that these kind of ideas and binary boxes and everything will be such like a non-issue that when someone comes out as whatever they are it will be like a non-issue where when I was in high school I did all I could to kind of keep it a secret do you know what I mean I 100% know what you mean and I do think that you're right I think it's going to take a massive um like a generational chunk of time to fully make everybody 100% comfortable being who they are from day one Um, but I think that it's certainly better now than it has ever been. I think when, you know, a five or six year old can go to their parents and say that they think they're the gender that they were not assigned at birth. I think that's a really big positive step forward. And I hope that that continues. Oh, absolutely. And I couldn't agree more. I, I just, I, I have an issue when, where people say like, um, coming out is easier now because I, I don't necessarily believe that because, I mean, my parents were still like my coming out story wasn't as smooth as I wanted it to go. Mm-hmm. But um, I just like I think that coming out is hard for absolutely everyone. And it's an, it's a different it's different for everyone. So my parents were very I grew up in like a hockey town where it was very bro and like. I fucking love hockey. Oh my god! My dad was like the local hockey coach, so like I and then I was like you know the son who liked to draw and do all that kind of thing. So that always weighed heavy on me. Yeah, I was. It was very. I don't know. It's it's interesting because now that I've come out, they're like the most supportive people ever. But it took a few years, you know. It's just the adjustment, and I think that exposure is the best way of copping to it. So. And instead of just coming out as gay, which I did, I, I'm still, I would say 80% attracted to men, 20 women, but that 20% is still there. And I don't want to erase my bi identity because that's what so many of us do. Nor should you have to. If you yeah. Have women, please go There's for it. Pressure to, though. You know, like when I came out, all of my gay friends were like, oh, well, I came out as bi too. Just give it time. Yeah. 
I don't know. You know, I'm cool with that statement. That feels very like, like putting your shit onto someone else. Totally. Anyway, sleep with all the women you want. Go for it. Um, <laughs> yeah, enjoy yourself, Bobby. Um, on the other side of that coin, though, what do you wish single men did more or less of? Okay. Well, I, I do want to continue on the women. I, I think oh, that- do you? Please, yeah, go for it. Yeah, I just want women to know that if they want to have sex on the first date and do so without feeling any guilt, like people do it. Like if you, if you find a guy attractive and you want to go on a date with him, do it. Like I am all like guys love it. And I think gender nor gender roles need to take a backseat to our desires. So as long as everything is enthusiastic and consensual, like go for it. I want to say that. And I want to do that. And I probably will test the theory. I look forward to testing the theory, but I also want to feel really good about that decision afterward. I know. Anytime I've, you know, just sort of gone with whatever feeling I have and like done whatever I wanted to do it hasn't resulted in me feeling amazing after. Oh, that's terrible. I'm like really sorry to hear that. Yeah, so am I. But it's, you know, people ghost and people like more likely than not, he's going to ghost afterwards. He's going to respond with one word text messages for like two weeks until we never speak again. But yet he looks at all of my Instagram stories. That's how that shit's going to go. Like, it's just, that's the way it is. So by the same token that certain things are getting better in terms of kids feeling more comfortable, maybe coming out earlier or having a different experience coming out. Um, I think we also have a really long way to go in terms of the way that like sex in general is seen when you're single and out there and dating, because it's still seen as something like women have given up and men have acquired. Right. Absolutely. So I want to, I mean, this is my little, like, because I like to ask questions as well. So I'm going to interview you for a second. Um, Have you, have you ever dated a bisexual or sexually fluid man before? You know what? I think I have. I have. Yes. Um, Just one and a long time ago, but yes, I have dated and slept with a bisexual man before. Well, I asked because, um, I find that personally, like me and the bisexual people I know, when they do date women, it's a lot, there's a lot more openness in the mindset and a lot less judgment and everything like that. So I was wondering, like, maybe is it, is it like, cause I can't speak to how straight men behave because they're not interested in me. So it's like, have you found that maybe there's a difference in that? Like straight men are an entirely different beast as how they approach sex. I don't think I've dated enough bisexual men to make a judgment call on that. I've definitely dated enough and slept with enough straight men to say that they're shit at this, but maybe, maybe I do need to date more bisexual men just to experience a little bit more of the dating world than I've been exposed to. Oh, and I recommend it. I truly do. I mean, when I was like, you know, quote unquote straight, I, when I played it at least, I, um, I found that, it was very difficult for me to um, find a woman who was interested in dating because I was very shy and I was very respectful and like, I didn't necessarily, I wasn't so forward because I was so, I didn't want to, you know, come across too forward or make her offended or anything like that. So I was very kind of, I don't know, complacent maybe. I don't know if that's the word, but I, yeah. So, but then once I came out, I found these women that I was interested in were like way more drawn to me and I didn't know what it was. And I think it's like, I don't know if it was that I was finally showing my authentic self and they were like, Oh, I like this part of you. Or if there's a comfort level, like I it's, it's fascinating for me to find out as I'm kind of like, 
you know, I'm three years in, so I'm still kind of figuring it out. But I think it was fa- confidence. It was confidence. Yeah. It was uh, yeah, big I'm, dick energy, Bobby. I'm I'm trying, you know, I'm really <laughs> I've gotta admit, since coming out, it has been I've had a much more eventful and successful dating life. I will say that. I'm happy to hear it. And I hope that you have experienced a lot more happiness following coming out than before. Oh, absolutely. And I'm sorry, I totally cut you off from that last answer. I will tell you what single men should do more often in dating. Is that, that was the question, correct? More of and then less of. Oh, okay. So I think that um, my main point is guys need to stop saying that they're protecting their feelings so much because I think that's a bit of an excuse. I think that, you know, like they just don't want to share their intimate details. So they say they're protecting themselves to seem like they're like valiant in this thing that they're not admitting to. It's like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to like, I'm protecting my feelings because I've been hurt. We've all been hurt. Yeah. You're not special. No. And not sharing personal details stunts the growth of a prospective bond. So like, I can't help but attribute this to, you know, the chains that masculinity have on men in particular and how you're not supposed to share your feelings or like the I, real housewife of New York. <laughs> I love when you speak in Instagram quotes because that makes my job editing this podcast so much easier. Just definitely. Oh, yeah? That was an oh, absolute yeah. gem. That was an yeah, absolute I'm, gem. I've got, I'm absolutely zero depth. I'm all Instagram quotes and thirst traps. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's very important to like get, get to the heart of issues and, and stunting the growth of a potential bond is huge. Yeah. Like withholding things about yourself just does a disservice to yourself and who you date because it's like, what are you saving this information for? Like three dates down the road? Like, why not just put it all out? Yeah. And figure each other out. Like, that's what the date's for is to get to know each other, right? So it's like, I've at least found that on dates, men are harder to get to know than women are. Same. Right? Oh my God. <laughs> It's, yeah. Also, like, I don't even know, and maybe you're the person to ask because you write about sex and dating for a publication I admire. Um, What the fuck even is dating now? Can I ask? Like, I don't understand what it is because me, like, me setting all the plans with a dude on an app, like picking the place, picking the time, picking the day, showing up, having two glasses of wine, making terrible small talk, faking my laughs and going home, that is not dating. And that's, like, all I've been doing for the last couple of years. So I just stopped. But like, what, is there anything that you have come across in your work as a writer in this vein that has surprised you or made you approach dating differently? I actually did just write an article um, for Ask Men about how casual dating is kind of the new normal. So it's more like you go on a date like dinner dates have kind of gone on the wayside for like coffee dates and everything, because I find that casual dating is kind of the way we approach everything because a date is so easily accessible now. Like you swipe right, you go on a date with somebody that you're kind of interested in, but you truly know nothing about them. So like a first date I found has become like a precursor to the actual first date. Like you want to get to know the person to see if they qualify for the actual first date. Now it's like, let me get to know you because your profile gave me two sentences and your opening line, you know, got me interested. So it's like, okay, let's go out. I've, you've qualified for this. Let's get to know each other business. And then if I like the conversation we have, and we do have something in common, let's spend some more money on each other. Because I did, there was a study that came out that said 
Starbucks is the number one first date spot now, which means the investment is what? Five, ten dollars? And whatever yeah. like money assignment you give to your time. Exactly. And it's it's that. And then it's like the then you like if you really like the person, you're like, okay, now I'm gonna go and actually invest. Like I feel like the second date is actually the first date these days. Because the if first date is an interview. It is just it's an interview. interview. Like I have had actual job interviews that I have enjoyed more than dates. Like it's it's sold societally and culturally and in media as this fun thing that single people get to do. And when we started talking, you mentioned that you like being single and you like dating. And I love that. And I'm very, very jealous of that because my experience has been so awful in the dating space. And it hasn't like, it's, it's never seemed to matter where my head's at. If I'm dating for the purpose of a relationship, if I'm dating to get out of the house, if I'm dating because it's a nice night tonight and I want to sit on a patio, it never seems to matter what my motivation is. The experience always seems to be really punishing. And it's, that's a huge motivation in me creating this podcast and, and opening up space to talk about this shit. But like why I'm wondering why some people have a more positive experience with dating and others don't, because I would like to infuse my dating life and the dating life of other people, if I can, with more like fun, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it totally does. And I can relate because I mean, a few years ago I was in the same boat where dating was kind of like a chore instead of something that like, Oh, I, I, I kind of like am looking forward to going on this date and getting to know this person. But I think that what's changed in my life, at least, and I mean, this can't be applied generally or universally to anybody, but I find that just not really caring where the date goes really helps. And I truly like, as someone, I'm a cancer, as I've heard you are as well. Yeah, I think our birthdays are like a week apart. Yeah, it's like, I mean, emotions are our thing, you know, it's what we really, that's our kind of like, we're really connected to them. But I kind of, I did in last seven months, stopped giving a shit about any of it. And um, it's been very beneficial. Like I, like I said, I enjoy it now. And I think that maybe it's, I don't know if maybe it's the, the people that are open to bisexual men are a little more open-minded and lackadaisical about everything mm -hmm. where it's like, okay, like, yeah, let's just go and hang out and see where the night takes us. Cause that's truly what I go into it thinking. Like I'm not thinking this is going to end in sex or a relationship or anything. I just go in to be like, let's talk to each other. And if we like each other, like, let's just let the night guide us. And how are you meeting people? Are you on apps? Like how do you meet people that you hang out with? I'm definitely an app guy. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I'll do, I do for, so I'm on um, Tinder for both uh, men and women and same with Bumble and uh, Grinder and Scruff are just exclusively men, but I've um, never heard of Scruff before. Yeah. Oh, it's so it's like, it's basically, it's the exact same thing as Grinder, but it's marketed toward like hairier, gruff men. <laughs> amazing oh yeah there's so many it's ridiculous but like those are the two main ones yeah that is fucking incredible um i deleted all of my apps in i think late january early february because there was just like one one douchebag too many i think there was just one that like threw me over the edge and it like made me realize how much time and years of my life i had wasted swiping to no avail um mm -hmm. so i have not been on a dating app since february i'm never going to download them again i'm so much happier and there's been so much more like joy and positivity in my life since they've been gone for example i had time to start a podcast but the one thing i haven't done since february is gone on a date 
I have not gone out at all with any guys since then. But to be fair, I don't think I had been on a date for the previous six months when I had the apps. So they weren't doing me any favors anyway. But I am very curious about how I want to talk more about how people meet in the wild because it's very hard to do. And it's a question that comes up a lot in the Facebook group for this podcast and on Instagram and and other places where people who listen to this connect. But I'm just wondering, like, you're a sex and relationships and dating writer. Like, have you learned anything about where people um, meet that you would like to share? I'm, and I'm kind of, I'm, I've been in a very similar position to you. Like, I mean, I have a, one of my close friends actually um, on Sunday was saying that they deleted the apps. He's a gay man. And he said the same thing. He said like, he's so glad he did it. He's been way more productive in his life. And he just, and personally, like he said, and this is what my answer to that is just meeting people casually through friends has really helped. And I know like, I know that's like the super obvious answer and it's like, you know, but I I do find that like, there's a common interest if you've already got a friend and that friend can talk you up and like they serve as your dating profile because we all put our best information down on a dating profile anyway. And a good friend will only give your best information out. I think we have a little bit of work to do though in making that like connecting friend or the matchmaking friend feel less like they're putting themselves at risk or either friendship at risk. Like, I think we need to let all of our matchmaking friends off the hook because I think like the nerves around, well, what if they don't like each other or what if they absolutely hate each other? And then I can't be friends with both of them. Like, what if I'm about to just like cause a rift or something? I think if we like publicly announce that if you want to hook up two of your friends or like a colleague and a friend or like a cousin or a friend or whatever it is, like you are absolved of all responsibility. <laughs> like you've just done a mitzvah by connecting two people. Thank you very much. And you are now off the hook because I've seen, and I've felt that like nervousness of introducing two people and being afraid that it won't work out. Yeah. I guess that is the responsibility you assume as the matchmaker, right? Yeah. Um, Did you just drop an A on my podcast? I did. I'm Canadian. God, I love it. I got, I got to do it. Toronto represent, but, but I will say, I think that, um, I guess dating, I think that people just need to take it a lot less seriously. Like you can't think about it. Like, even if, when I introduce somebody to a friend, I, I say, I think you two will get along. And I think that it would like, but like, don't hold me responsible. I just, I'm looking out for you. And I've been set up by casual friends as well. And it's worked out horribly. And (laughs) It got to a point where it was like, we couldn't even be in the same place together, but we, we were both like mature adults and we had a conversation and was like, listen, that we knew what we were getting into. Let's keep this going as is. And if you can't be somewhere that I'm at, then let me know. And I won't go. Yeah. It's just, yeah. I just think that people need to kind of lighten up with this kind of thing. And it's, Maybe I'm being like a selfish bisexual as because I have people say bisexuals are selfish because they have straight and, you know, you can go for guys and girls. You have more selection or whatever, but it's not tough out there. Whatever the numbers, I don't, I don't feel like you're selfish at all. Right. And so like, that's another thing, you know, like the whole like bisexual judgment, but I do think that people do need to take dating a little less seriously and not invest so much in a date. Just have fun with it. It's supposed to be fun. Like, I just feel like, you know, when you eat like a, like a pasta dish, you know, it's not good for you, but like, it's delicious. So enjoy it. 
<laughs> I wish everyone could approach it that way. I really, really do. I don't think that culturally we're there. I think there are a lot of like expectations and concerns and like, oh, just, I feel like we need to shake the snow globe of dating for everyone. Like not just for women, not just for straight men, not just for anybody. I wish that we could shake it up and, and reset like an etch-a-sketch the dating world altogether because there, I mean, you've seen how many like fucking meme accounts there are for dating that make fun of how shitty it's become. And like, I like laughing about life as much as anybody else, but I don't like when dating specifically dating as it relates to single women is the butt of a joke. Like, fuck that. Like, it's not funny that it's a nightmare for single women to go on a date because they're pretty sure that he's probably not going to look like his picture and he's probably going to ghost them if they do like him. It's just like the expectations now around dating are that it's garbage. And I want to like wipe that slate clean and have everyone just approach it. Like you said, less seriously with like a lot more of a fun attitude, like a lot more sweetness. And there's, it just seems to have lost its like excitement and sweetness. And I 100% blame the apps because they're like the root of all evil in my brain. I want them all to be burned to the ground. But I do blame like this swipe for sex or swipe for dates culture that doesn't require much effort of us. I think that's what's sort of, in, at least in my opinion, I, I don't know my ass from my elbow, just FYI. But I think that like, there's, there's a, a definite shift in culture that has changed the, the amount of fun, the amount of lightheartedness and the amount of sweetness in dating. And I miss that mostly because I just finished watching Stranger Things and Mike and Eleven are the cutest shit I've ever seen in my life. Just FYI. But do you not think that that's also a problem, how it's reflected in media? Like, it's like, oh, this is so cute and blah, blah, blah. But like, I always wanted the Seth and Summer from the OC romance. That was like my, Uh, you know, like that's all I wanted. And then I was like, wait, that's, this is TV. This isn't real. (laughs) You know, like it, it kind of like, it kind of, it built me up for this romance that I wanted. And like, even my ex, she dressed up as Wonder Woman for Halloween to do like that whole summer thing. Yeah. When she dressed up for him. And it was like, it was great. But like, you know, you go back to real life after that and the relationship's not what it was. So like, I, I don't know. I, let me, I think that I agree with you that dating apps have changed the way we date absolutely 100% there's no doubt because everybody there's also this sense of like there's always something better out there so you're like okay settled on this one but like what if I keep swiping and I find someone that's prettier or nicer or you know she, she has more of common interests so it's like there's always that in the back of the mind being like oh well what if this isn't the right person where people have to settle like not settle but like be okay with the fact that I'm with this person. They're great. We get along. Why like, is awesome never enough? Why, exactly. Like, why are we treated like like buffet items? <laughs> Just like That's hop from exactly one it. to the other. It's so gross. Yeah. And like, I, I do think that just, I mean, with um, the way hetero culture has kind of told us to approach relationships that like, you know, you date, you get married, you have children, and then, you know, repeat, repeat, repeat. <laughs> it's like I'm of like I mean I was very much that guy I almost got married and like I but I didn't and now that I've kind of opened myself and come out to be who I truly am I've met people who are queer and don't subscribe to the heteronormative 
dating world. So they'll be in an open relationship if it works for them. They'll be in a monogamous relationship, polyamorous. So it's like I'm close with people who pursue all sorts of relationships and I adore and admire each and every one of them. And exposure to this opens your mind up. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, I just, I, I, I think that people go into dating thinking like it has to be, you have to follow this one thing, but it's not necessarily true. Like you can, a relationship is what you want it to be. And that's, I've had a hard time coming through with that because, you know, just where I, how I was raised and everything, you've got to, got to follow a certain path, but I've broken that. And now I'm open and I've, I'm finally comfortable to date. Like I never have been. I think that's amazing. I think it's really hard to break the mold around your brain. It really, and really it's is. At all. Yeah. But I'm really proud of you for doing it. And I'm really glad that you're doing it. I think we could all use a broader perspective, especially, I mean, in all things, but like, especially as it relates to dating, to be yeah. able to change what we think of as like the linear path to literally whatever path we want is incredibly important, especially because like I've noticed that around me, there are a lot of women who are single later in life than our mothers ever were, certainly than our grandmothers ever were. And there's a lot of like society needs its brain broken because we're looked down upon or, you know, it's like, what's wrong with you? Why are you that old and still not married? Like, let's just throw that sentence on the fire. I think there's a lot of, a lot of breaking of molds that needs to happen. I'm certainly trying to do that as often as humanly possible, but because it's been so hard to like lighten up in dating for me, I've completely pulled away from it. I don't do it anymore. I don't participate in apps. Like there's just no connection from me to that dating world because I've decided to let the dating world find me. I have like thrown up my hands. I'm done trying and I'm going to go put my effort and time in a place that makes me happy. And then whenever, you know, the universe or whatever you want to call it wants to like literally throw me a bone, go ahead. Like I'm just here. <laughs> yeah. And like, I think that that's another thing too, is that being single is kind of viewed on as like, oh, well you deserve to be pitied or something like that. Like, it's like, oh, well, why can't you find somebody? How about being single is awesome. Like I love being single. And I was recently at a, a wedding of one of my close friends and I was the single guy who didn't get the, the only single queer person who also didn't get an invite for a plus one at the wedding. And I was just sitting there listening to all the speeches and being like, I couldn't be more glad to be who I am right now. (laughs) I I was very worried about being like, am I going to feel, you know, jealous that, you know, or like a little insecure that I'm the single guy at the table or, and I was like, no, like it truly just didn't feel right to me. Like seeing that projected right in front of me was like, that's not what I want. And I've realized that that's fine. Like being single is, not something to be looked down on. And I hope that other people eventually see it that way. But I mean, I, you know, I write about it all the time. So maybe that's my exposure to this kind of information and stuff has made me more comfortable. We're but I want more. We're closer to it. it. Yeah. So, yeah. I just had someone in the Facebook group just asked a question of how to deal with going to weddings alone. So your story could not be more perfectly timed. Um, oh, yeah. It's that I love that moment where like you're in something where societally speaking, you're supposed to be super sad, but you're not. And I like I love your example because I need to give people listening to this more concrete examples as to how to feel better and 
like sitting there and recognizing that you are happy being who you are in the height of the moment where the world wants you to feel the opposite is just such a big deal. I've done the same shit. I've been to so many weddings alone. And the only advice I have for this person who asked the question is to remember if you're at a wedding and you're super sad and it's like this really depressing moment because you don't have a plus one, which is horse shit, by the way. Um, If you're by yourself, just remember like we as single people still have meeting our partner to look forward to. And that's the best thing ever. Like that first, like the meeting and the development, like the early phases of a relationship when it's the right one are so fun. And so So like, oh my God, like it's so full of just like the best parts of everything. You start fighting at like month four, but in the first three months, it's like, it's so much fun. And we still have that to look forward to. And yeah, you're super happy for the groom and groom or bride and bride or whoever, whoever's wedding it is but they don't have that anymore. Like that's done. So right. <laughs> it might sound like super bitchy to say, but it's true. No, you're absolutely right. Like that's the best part of a, like that's, I, you know what? Maybe that's, uh, that is a part of dating that I like too. It's like to find out somebody to have that moment again, like that, like initial love and like connection where it's so exciting. And like, I, I've, I know this couple and like the things like, you can only say the same thing so many times. Like, I'm like, way to Google your speech, bud. But like, <laughs> it's like, I just kind of like, I'm, maybe I'm cynical. I don't know. But like, I'm looking through it and I'm like, okay, like, yeah, like these sentiments are all super romantic, but they're not unique by any means. No. So I'm kind of like, I don't know. You're just following this, you know, this path that you're meant to follow. Or so like you think you're supposed to follow. And I'm just like, I'm kind of looking beyond it being like, and that took, don't get me wrong. It took me years to be okay with. Yeah. But it's like, this was the first wedding that I was like, not like beating myself up over it when the speeches were happening and when they had the nice dance. And I love that. If that's what you want, absolutely go for it. But it's, I don't think it's for me. I I completely hear that. I completely hear that perspective. I think it is for me. I just don't know who the fuck it's going to be with, but can we like make a pact now to read each other's future wedding speeches and edit for content? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. If I hear anything that's remotely poetic, I'll be like, no, Mm-mm. no, we are <laughs> both writers for a living. Our speeches have to kill. Absolutely. I agree. And you know what? That's a big pressure too. Like I just, I don't know, like at the last wedding I was at, I've, I couldn't tell you how many grooms. Oh, by the way, an hour and a half worth of speeches at this wedding. Stop it. Yeah. And um, every single one of the groomsmen said that how beautiful the bridesmaids look tonight, which mm-hmm. kind of lacks a certain authenticity when they haven't even it's written in the script and they haven't seen what the dresses look like. You know, <laughs> I'm just like, OK, like I just I I'm I, you know, and I had a bit of wine. So I was feeling, you know, a little extra cynical and it was it was uh, gravitate. It was it was uh, more excessive with that wine but i had a good time at the wedding i just know that i was like no this isn't for me <laughs> so i do but i do want to say a wedding is fine oh weddings I, are totally fine yeah and it's just i i just don't i find that it's less about the couple and it's more about everyone else it's a little like it's really stressful because i did plan a wedding but i didn't go through with it i think it's like a two-act play yeah like ceremony reception, I kind of feel like it's like a performance. Oh, it totally, like, yeah, preaching to the choir. Yeah. 
Um, before I let you go, you are a writer in the sex and dating and relationship space. So I want to take advantage of this opportunity to like pick your brain. What's the, like the craziest thing you've ever discovered in your interviews and in your research? Like, what is the one biggest takeaway that you have learned and been like, oh shit, I'm going to apply that to my life moving forward? Well, a big thing, I think that, you know, how like, so many, and I, I know you know this is true because in the space, you, there's a new study coming out kind of every day about, oh, what pe- what men want, what women want, what this and that. Like, it's like, I just read one recently that said, um, women love men with dad bods. Ew. It's like, that's, it, it's like, especially in our industry that so many studies that come out are kind of irresponsible, I want to say, because I think that they, they're fine to serve as a reference point, but a lot report like they're wildly subjective and they contradict themselves all the time. Cause they're so bullshit. I think, like, you can't yeah. generalize what people want. I want someone to make me laugh and kill the spiders. That's it. Right. Yeah. And it's like how many people, you know, if you directly ask someone, do you want somebody who kills the spiders? You know, the, it's just, I just find it like, it'll be like 90% say yes. It's like, I just find, yeah, they can very, it's very subjective and people can ask questions in a way that can kind of persuade someone to answer a certain way. I just, I've written so many about so many studies that I'm like, I don't believe it anymore. And the people who, you know, some businesses will pay for these studies just so they kind of serve their own agenda and everything like that. And I'm just kind of like, I just want to, I would like to tell listeners just not to listen to it. I agree and, with you. I get pitched them all the time. Like the best cities for singles to live in. Like, are we supposed to pick up and fucking move? Are you kidding me? Yeah. And it's like an apartment search service that's sending me the press release. Like, how dumb do you think I am right now? Exactly. Yeah. And I also uh, think that people like, there's not enough um, resources or guides out there for queer people. Like when I first came out, I wanted like somewhere I could go to kind of find out about everything. Like I was, you know, scared and, I felt alone and I wish I had a resource I could go to, but like instead I would turn to friends for advice when I kind of wanted a more official resource from like professionals. And like, I've pitched this column to a few publications recently, but like it's yet to get picked up. And I just find that like, I'm hopeful. I remain hopeful, but it's just people, queer people need a resource that speaks to them specifically instead of going to a website that's speaking to how, heterosexual people approach things or how I, I just think you need think to that release it yourself. I think you need to put it up on medium because I promise you, if you are craving these resources, other people are too. Where can everyone who's listening follow you and connect with you online? I'm probably most active on Twitter. So I am at Bobby Boxington, B-O-X-I-N-G-T-O-N. And uh, I just recently- wait, you're being modest. You have to follow him on Twitter. It is such a joy. Please follow him. I can't stress this enough. Oh, thank you. That's really sweet. But and I'm also I just started an alt Instagram account, which is like ones that my family can't see because I'm like, yeah. So I'm not I'm not naked, but you know I post my stories, which can be I can write some pretty racy stuff, and I'll maybe you know a shirtless picture or two. But that is at Bobby uh, at Boxington Alt. Thank you so so much for joining me. It's been such a joy talking with you. I can't thank you enough for for lending your words and your perspective. It's it's been a real joy. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor.